Hello, I'm Guy Stapleford and welcome to the Velocino Cycling Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Velocino Cycling Podcast, where the best stories have not yet been written. This week, we are joined by... A man who says he's just the average Joe, the average guy in the street, if you like, Guy Stapleford. Guy is far from the average guy in the street, however, because he is an ultra runner, but also an ultra cyclist. He's travelled thousands of kilometres whilst on his bike, both outside and inside. He's taken on some of the biggest challenges in cycling, and yet... He's done this all in less than five years. It's been a fantastic journey and we're going to hear from the man right now. So, Guy, welcome to the Velocino podcast. Thank you very much for having me. You're very welcome. Very well. It's lovely to have you here (laughs) as well. Um, Also, actually, I want to say, I think I follow you for such a long time already, like on Instagram, and the amount of times we had contact where I said like, oh, can you come through the show? And you always said like, yes. And, like, <laughs> and then I never followed up. <laughs> I think I asked you, didn't I, in the yeah. end? I was like, yeah. oh, yes, It's please, like a marriage. Must have been a leap year. Must have been a leap year for the guests to ask the, the hosts to come on. Absolutely. Well, we, we can blame COVID, right? I think yeah, exactly. Um, exactly. It has. And also, well, let's face it, this is a special day for us in the Velocino, uh, Casa Velocino, because this is the first time in over two years we've actually had a guest with us hey. in the studio, which is fantastic. Yeah, so honored. it's brilliant to have you here. Yeah, absolutely. Fantastic. No, it's an absolute pleasure to be here. So thank you very much. Excellent. Well, look, we're talking about kind of like, you know, it's the new year, it's new beginnings and all that kind of stuff. And it's a question that I rarely ask when we meet these elite athletes. It's it's where it all begins for you with a bike, which is where did you learn to ride a bike? <laughs> <laughs> um I'd love to have some amazing story. Um, but I th- I guess, you know, I was uh, an average kid uh, who had an average bike and rode it around the village where I grew up. You know, I grew up in North Dorset, which is really, really rural. Uh, and me and my brother just had these really rubbish bikes and we just used to ride them around the village and tear around this kind of parking lot across the road. And that was that. Never really kind of took riding for more than just a bit of fun as a kid. And um, I think, you know, when you grow up, you sort of either you do riding for commuting or... And yeah, I didn't really do any of that. It was just... Just where to, just like a, a means to an end to yeah. have some fun on a bike. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it was just part of growing up, you know. Yeah. I, I listened to Michael Beaumont and, he, you know, he talked about, you know, he rode his bike from an early age and then cycled across Scotland when he was 12. And you just think, oh, yeah, I didn't do any of that. No, this, is, this often amazes me is that, uh, particularly with cycling, often even at elite level, you know, we've talked to a professional cyclist like Anna Henderson and yeah. various others who the story starts with, well, I got injured from my real sport. <laughs> Yeah. And then I took up cycling oh, as a part of recovery. <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> but I mean, everyone gets into cycling in that different way. And yeah. so I, mean, I also assume that, you know, when I meet these elite athletes, as we get to through the po- podcast. You keep I, using the word elite as well. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I don't, look, trust, trust me, mate. Look, look, if, you, if you can run two laps of this block, as far as we're concerned, right, you're an elite. So let, let me just put that into context. Um, but, but for you, I mean, when you were um, when you were at school, were you kind of like the sporty kid at school? Were you, you know, captain the football team, all that kind of stuff? No, um, I was, uh, I think in every aspect of my life, I've always been the ambitious amateur. So like in my head, 
I'm the best and the fastest and the greatest. And then the body. Oh, me too, by the way. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And the, bo- the body just doesn't quite meet that expectation. But yeah, no, I was a good runner at school. Um, I did cross country and, and a bit of track and stuff. And, um, you know, I was, I was, you know, up there, never, never the winner, but, you know, close enough. And I did a few county races and, I enjoyed it, but my parents aren't sporty in any way. They're like, they're like watching Formula One, but you know, they were never big. So it was, I never had that push really to kind of become anything more um, than I wanted to be. And I was really academic at school. Like I was, you know, I'm quite, I can't, you know, without sort of trying to sound stupid, but I, you know, I am quite intelligent. So (laughs) I think for me, it was just always that became the default, you know, I was just, Better in the classroom, really. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And and it's it's really interesting as well that, um, you know, well, well, we'll come back to that. But an, again, another thing, there's something, we keep finding this crossover between people who like long distance races and people who seem to have been really, really good at maths or good at school and that kind of stuff. Yeah. We, we seem to, we seem to have that crossover. Always fascinating. Pretty annoying, isn't it? This is why I'm not. Yeah, they're, they're just, yeah, yeah. These are just, we're just listening to excuses why we can't, we can't do it. Absolutely. So, look, so, um, so that was cycling back then. Now, yeah. obviously, there was then obviously quite a big gap before you kind of got back into cycling. Yeah. And it's it's one of those things where, you know, we've, we've looked at, you know, done the research, you've done other things before. And it wasn't sure. necessarily the, the most positive reason to come <laughs> through it. But no. so just in your own words, what, what was it that sort of, where were you at and what got you back to cycling? Um, well, yeah. So I, I don't suppose I was ever really into cycling, I suppose. That was the thing. <laughs> I, I guess it was just, it was... Yeah, as a result of, as you say, a, a journey I, I've been through. Um, so it's it's sort of long, really, but I suppose the nutshell of it is, is I was, I'd come out of university and I was just really unhappy, I think. You know, I felt pretty unfulfilled and, you know, I, I like you do at university, you drink a lot and, uh, yeah, that was, that was that. And, you know, we got married and we had kids and uh all of those feelings sort of came back and, you know, hit me really hard in my my early thirties. Um, and rather than, you know, being, I was, you know, the typical man, I guess, rather than actually dealing with the problem and talking about it, I just started drinking again. And, you know, the drinking just, uh, got worse and, uh, I got really unwell. Unfortunately, I had pancreatitis and, um, I got hospitalized with that and was, you know, I was unwell for a long time. And, you know, it's, it's really sobering when, you have someone sort of telling you you're an alcoholic and that if you drink again, you're going to die. And, you know, that's, I was really shameful. And I went home and I thought to myself, right, you know, guy, let's sort yourself out. You know, I ate really badly. I drank loads and, uh, you know, I was in a really stressful job. And um, so, you know, the, the worst thing is I lasted about four and a half months and I was back drinking again and I got unwell again. So, uh, you know, I, I suppose about two years of, of pain that I went through, it made me sort of realise that, you know, I, I felt really empty and un- unhappy and unfulfilled. And that's not a criticism of my life at all, because that's, you know, I had everything I could have ever wanted in a, in a wife and, and my two kids, but uh, I wasn't, I wasn't kind of getting anywhere. So, um, you know, I made the decision that, you know, I, I, I needed to leave and, and I, I, you know, I left my partner and, and the kids and that's, you know, genuinely one of the hardest things I've ever done because it's, um, it, feel, it felt really selfish at the time and I felt for a long time really guilty about doing it, but I knew in my heart that I could, to get better, that that's what I had to do. And, um, 
you know, I moved out and I found, found my own place and, uh, you know, and I sort of made this pact to myself that I just desperately didn't want to go back to being that, that guy again of, of drinking and kind of sitting in front of the TV and moping. So I bought a pair of trainers from Sports Direct and I said, right, I'm going to, I'm going to try running. And if I can run to work, which is about six miles from where I lived, I'll be really happy with that. And then it just sort of all went on from there. And I, 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 sort of seen all these people doing mad things and I thought wouldn't it be cool to do London to Brighton so I just went on eBay and I bought this road bike having never ridden a road bike before and clipless pedals and all you know clipping pedals and all that and uh, I had to completely rebuild this bike but I just thought right well I'm just going to do some stuff and see what happens and yeah here we are five years later (laughs) it's brilliant it's it's, I was going to say, for, it's one of those things where I love how so many stories start with, so I bought this secondhand bike <laughs> off eBay and just give it a go. And unfortunately, you're taking away excuses for me and Niels because we, we're always complaining. The only reason we're not elite athletes is because we haven't got the right bike or yeah. that's the only thing holding us back. We just need like better pedals and a new handlebar or something. <laughs> I don't know. Something, something we can make up. Um, but because it's, it's really interesting uh, what you're saying there because it's, it, it's amazing – I mean, we'll talk about all the positive stuff yeah. uh, about where, where it's taken you, which is fantastic. But it must have been really tough at that time. As you said, they told you you were an alcoholic. Yeah. Would, before they told you that, did you did you see that in yourself? Or was it one of those things where you thought saw yourself, I think like many people, mm. yeah, I'm not eating the right stuff yeah. and I'm drinking a bit, but, yeah. but I'm all right. Yeah, yeah, I definitely think, you know, I just, um, I was in a cycle of, of um I'd get up at sort of five, six o'clock in the morning. I'd go to work and I was a consultant at the time. So I was traveling lots of different places and lots of different clients and trying to sell work. And, um, you know, I was fueling my day with, with massive coffees and junk food and sugar. And then I'd get home and, you know, if you're a parent, you know, as soon as you walk in the door, the kids want to be on you and they want, they want your attention and they just, and I, I found that really hard to deal with. And, um, you know, the kids would go to bed and then, you know, the beer, the beer would be open or the wine would be open. And, and it just started off as most people do as that relaxing thing and the relaxing, uh, the more you drink, the, the, the more you have to drink to get that same buzz. And, you know, it's like with any drug, isn't it? It's coffee's the same, you know, you, it, it, it numbs over time. And I just found myself drinking more and more. And, you know, my partner, my, well, my wife at the time would go to bed and, you know, I would, I would try and drink as much as I possibly could before I'd go to bed without it looking weird that I was going up really late. Um, so, so yeah, it, it, I never really thought it was a problem. Yeah. Uh, it was just that day when I woke up, I realized something just really, really wasn't right. And then passed out on the bathroom floor about halfway through the day. Uh, and cause I couldn't stop being sick. And then it was like, okay, yeah, something's really wrong here, but never really clicked that it was the yeah. alcohol. And then, when I got kind of woke up in the hospital and, and, you know, kind of had the drips and stuff and was a bit more with it, the nurses were sort of talking to me and then the consultant come round and he did the whole shaming speech. And I was a bit like, you know, you've got this, it's a bit like scrubs, you know, and you've got this whole group of um, undergrads or whatever they are no uh, way. around the bed. Oh and the, the, this girl had talked through my notes and the guy just went, right. Okay. Mr. Stapleford, you're an alcoholic. If you drink again, you're going to be back here wasting the NHS's money, uh, or worse, you'll die. 
Wow. And, oh, and then and then me. they walked off. And I was like, I don't know how to process any of this. That's but it was incredible. sort of it yeah. was sort of, you know, the wake up call in a way I needed, but I just I suppose it took me two years to actually hear that yeah. and, and and really understand what it meant. And it's it's so difficult as well, I think, particularly as a, as a man, is you could have easily had a conversation with somebody else who would often say, that, yeah, I go home, oh, yeah, the kids are kids are really tough. Yeah. And they would also say, oh, yeah, me and my wife were sat down last night, we had a nice glass of wine. And you, it, you can pick up on that and think, okay, what this is quite normal what yeah. I'm doing and, yeah, yeah. you know, this is what we're all doing and it's 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 pretty similar to everybody else. And um, it's it's amazing how easily you can slip down that and get it to a point where, where you, you yeah absolutely real. and i think that you know the it's that uh hiding it i think is the classic isn't it you know any addiction is as soon as you start having to hide something you know there's a problem i guess so you know i think i i've talked to so many people like you say that say well i wonder if i you know they sort of ask me what well, do you think i drink too much and i sort of said well i can't judge that because you know yourself don't you i think if you're really when you start to be really honest with yourself you ask yourself the hard questions don't you and i think that's when you know i had to grow up a little bit and start saying to myself well right okay what are we going to do about this yeah uh, i have to make well, some changes i have two questions there like first of all when when you were in hospital and they came to you and told mm. you that did you believe them or was it like first like ah oh, come on bog off it's, <laughs> it's not me it's like this would be like one question yeah. and the second one is You said um, you are hiding it, but I feel when you're hiding something, you have to have come to the realization that something is wrong. Yeah. At that time, did you actually realize that something was wrong? Because um, a couple of people that I know that had a difficult relation with alcohol, mm -hmm. they were never in the situation where they thought something is not right because yeah. of, I just drink a couple of beer on Monday. And yeah. for them, it was like just a normal thing. Yeah, absolutely. I think... Um So the, the the first question was um uh if you if, if if you believed it. Oh, if I believed it. Yeah, sorry. Um I think it was more disbelief than 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 anything. I sort of thought, well, I don't know. I don't really understand how this has happened. Mm. Um and I think it took a while for me to realize that you know, so a pancreatitis is is sort of either gallstones generally, mm. so it's older gentlemen. Mm. Uh, or it's alcohol. They're the two driving factors behind it. So um, I didn't have gallstones. So then was really, <laughs> I was sort of stuck with, well, I don't really believe it, but there isn't anything else. So I just kind of had to accept it. And the first things that sort of went through my mind were, oh my God, all of these things in life, these, these amazing life moments that I'm going to go through and I'm not going to be able to have a drink. And I thought, you know, my kids you know, when they're 18 or 21 or when they graduate or, you know, birthdays or whatever. And I thought, God, I'm, I'm not going to be able to drink at those. And then, and the more I look back at that and think that that was my first reaction, I think, <laughs> God, that's pretty wrong in itself, yeah. isn't it? Like if you're associating life events with alcohol, then yeah. But, um, that's see. And the reason why I think it, It's great that you're so open about this. And the reason I'm sure for everybody who's listening and watching and why we're asking this a little bit is is also there will be people out there that are in that situation right now. And yeah, yeah. they're probably set there thinking to themselves, well, perhaps I'm in that same place. And um, 
It doesn't sound like you had the greatest uh, support from the doctors when they told you, you know, you're an <laughs> no. alcoholic, uh, you could be dead, uh, yeah. you waste NHS money, see you later, yeah, goodbye, yeah. next bed. Um, but um, what I think is really interesting and sort of like for people perhaps in that situation to think about like the fact that you did something about yeah. it and you, you've taken that first step. So that, uh, what I love is that the first step you took was was not too crazy. The first step was that first step was yeah. buy a pair of trainers from Sports Direct, or it was like yeah, yeah go get a bike from eBay. But then, uh, and and how quickly was it after that you started on that track that you started to feel like okay, actually, I'm I'm kind of on the road to kind of getting myself a little bit more focused in a different direction now. Um, not long, not long. Uh, I'm really goal driven in life, so everything I do, my career was you know it was all about that next step. So you know, I worked really hard in my, my day job to get to a, you know, a really high level in my career. And that, that was brilliant, but that was part of the problem as well. But with the running, it was like, it just became a, well, I can do 5k. Well, why don't I go and try and do 10k? And then 10k became, I'm going to sign up for a half marathon. And I'd sort of signed up to two races by, I think the Christmas of 2016. And I thought to myself, I wonder if I could do one different thing every month in 2017. And then it kind of came on, got me thinking about, well, why don't I do it for charity and try and talk about what I'm doing and really share the sort of journey and join social media. And I'd never really been a big social media person either because I'm not, I've always been quite private. And I think that's part of that is part of, I've never really been honest about who I am and my problems and my struggles and I really wanted to just flip that on its head and kind of try and talk about it and learn to talk about it. So yeah, it was within a few months I'd signed up for a half marathon, a marathon, a 10 K race. And then I'd bought the bike on eBay and I thought, I definitely know I want to do London to Brighton. Uh, and then sort of just started Googling things I could do and then came across John O'Groats to Land's End, which is, you know, now, now I understand it is the quintessential long distance cycling thing if you're a UK cyclist and uh, I said well I'm going to do Land's End to John O'Groats in 2017 but because I wasn't quite physically ready it just sort of get getting pushed back and pushed back and then it was like November and I was like I can't do it in December because then it'll be really horrible <laughs> so I'm going to just have to do it in, in November and honestly uh, I just had the worst weather <laughs> Scotland was super, super cold. It was like freezing for two days. And then when I got down to the southwest, it was two days of this horrific storm. And I uh, I spent, I think, those last two days just crying <laughs> while I was riding because, A, I'd never been that far in my life before. And I'd done, you know, nine days, basically, of 100 miles back to back. And uh, But also that it was really cathartic. Like, I'd done it on my so solo, so nine days in your own head, it's quite a long time. Yeah. And, you know, I'd, I'd, some days I'd go a whole day without speaking and I'd get to the pub or the hotel or whatever at the end of the day and kind of think, God, I haven't actually spoken all day. Anyway, I got to the last few days and all these sort of emotions start coming back about oh, I'm nearly there and, you know, just made me think about really why I was doing it and what, what deal with some of the guilt I felt about you know, the booze and the breakdown of the, the marriage and, and, and leaving the kids. and um, But it made me realise that, you know, in my heart, I knew I'd done the right thing because of the relationship I've now got with my children, that 
that is so much better because I'm, I'm, I'm a more active parent and I'm, a, I'm a more engaged parent because of it. Whereas before I was, yeah, I was just a horrible shell of a man, you know. But and it's interesting that you say that because I think these um, I often find you know longer distance running or longer distance cycling because it is repetitive. It is almost a meditation. It mm. almost gets you into a point where. Um, even if you're not actively thinking, if you know what I mean, you know, you're just going through the motions. There's there's some part of our brain that's dealing with ourselves and our life and taking things in. Oh, absolutely. And for me, that was part of the reason for starting the running and the, the, the cycling was that it was just an easy way to get outside away from every other distraction in life and just almost turn my brain off. And like you say, have that meditative time of just enjoying something for just pure pleasure of doing it. And that's, you know, ultimately when I come back to, you know, I've got like this weekend, I've got to go and ride a stupid amount of hours. But if I just keep focusing on the fact that I just really love riding my bike, then it it makes it a tiny bit easier. I, I just <laughs> have a question there because somehow when you're like so long on your bike, it's like, it's like meditation and stuff. Yeah. But what, it, what also it is, you can't escape processing your thoughts no. while you're doing it, right? Yeah. And I just wonder... Because you have come through like a really horrible time. Mm. Did it not also drag you down a bit? Because I just want to say yeah. what you have achieved there, just flipping your, your life around, not many people are able to do that. I think the majority of men, especially men, I think um, will just, when they get told something like this, they mm. fall into an even deeper hole. For sure. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And it is it is one of those things and I do think you're right. You you go one way or the other and I was so determined that all of that heartbreak and and pain that I'd caused by leaving, I couldn't I couldn't make that worse. I needed to make it better and I I've always sort of talked about cycling is is a bit of a ride to redemption for me, you know. I I I really wanted it to make me a better person, but also to try and change, not necessarily the world, because that's huge and, you know, you can't do that on your own, but change my bit of the world. And that's, again, that's why I'm supporting cha these, the two local charities that I'm supporting and talking about my, my mental health and my journey. And because, you know, if it helps one person or, or makes someone realise that, you know, you, you can do it, you, it's, it's, it's hard. I make it, I don't know if I made it sound easy, but, you know, it's taken five years for me to not feel guilty about ending my marriage uh, uh, so you know it, it's not easy it's, and it, it and also I imagine um, looking back now it's yeah. almost like when things have turned out all right again if you like it's easier to think about but the one thing yeah. I, I think when we, if anyone's listening to this and in that situation is uh, it still takes that first step you've still got yes. to take those steps and those first steps are, are, are going to be horrible and it's hard but you know you need to do it to get out of it yeah but, absolutely well the one thing that I'm really I've got to got to say. So look, you've you brought yourself out of this, and you started down this journey, and for, you know, positive reasons, giving mm. yourself something to focus on. Yeah. Uh, just to touch on the fact that you did Lands End, John O'Groats to Lands End, in your first year <laughs> of yeah. properly cycling, yeah. because I think something that, and we'll, we'll come on to this in a bit, is something that I like. I am astonished when I meet people like you is the fact that you're like, you're like, somebody shows you a challenge and you're like, if another human being can do it, why couldn't I do it? 
it's like that approach of yeah. how hard could this be? And well, that's you... the exact mindset I go through with everything. It's well, if they've done it, surely I can do it as well. And it's just incredible <laughs> mental strength and approach because. John O'Grace and Land's End in your first year. And I've got, yeah. uh, for those watching, this is why I've got the iPad out, so I can go through the list. And then the, your next year, it's the coast-to-coast -coast sprint. It's yeah. three peaks by bike. It's London to Paris. So this is the second, not even your first full year of, of riding. <laughs> then we're into the Welsh three peaks record. Yeah. Then we're into uh, Sufferfest knighthood. We're into the virtual race across the West. London, Land's End, London. Um Everesting, I'm going to come back to the Everesting because that was a local event and we've got to talk about that. Um, the Virtual Revolve uh, 24, so yeah. that's 24 hours, yeah. normally round Brands Hatch. That's right, yeah. Tough enough on its own. Tell you what, because it's COVID, why don't we get people to do it indoors, right? Like yeah. like where their bed is next to them and the nice warm sofa is next to them, right? Why don't we chuck that in? And and then, you know, and, that, and now that's like your first three years kind yeah. of thing. So mad isn't it it has been in, it's been so fascinating looking at those big things so on that list what are the one what stands out for you in your memory what was the one where you're kind of most proud of or um i think it's it's it, it's a really hard question because i was talking to we'll probably touch on it but i went to Mallorca in the, the end of the summer last year and i was talking to a lady called amy williams and amy's done um trans america which mm. is which is a different race to what i'm doing but you you, you kind of go across america and we were talking about all these things that we've done and you know we, we both were we hit on this this thing of you get to the end and it's sort of that feeling of well uh i've done that now and it's sort of really empty you know there's no real like finish line and there's no real fanfare and it's not a I've never sort of really felt proud or satisfied with any of the things that I've done because I'm so self-critical that it could have always been better or faster or harder or did I did I nearly break myself enough by doing that? Do you, and do you know, it's so fascinating you say that. When we talk to other uh, uh, particularly distance-focused athletes, mm. we, we hear exactly the same thing. <laughs> if I actually made it over the line without crawling by my fingertips <laughs> yeah. and then being in a coma for a couple of days I don't think I really pushed myself hard no. enough it's like almost no. that that sense of and even if you did do that there's a sense of I could probably do it faster next year yeah. you know it's yeah, it's yeah. just fascinating that 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 mindset but it yeah. I guess this is what feeds the beast and this is why you need the next challenge and the oh, next absolutely. one absolutely yeah so I mean if I was to say which 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 was the one I'm most proud of I think it's the Welsh three peaks because it was a it was a record attempt and you know it's it, it's um it's British and I took a good amount of time off the record as well and it's it I I held it for a year and I a guy called Hugh Jones, damn you, Hugh. Uh, he's he's now got the record off me. Uh, but I could go back and do it again, but I'm not going to because I just, it, it's one of those things that, uh, it's not a world record, but, but it's still a record. Well, so well, I'm look, happy with that. And well, we raised a really great amount of money as well. So, well, that's it. Well, look, let, let's talk a little bit about that as it is, is, is one of your favourites, just just to give a, a little bit more detail for, for, for the listeners. So, so what, what is the challenge? How far is it? So, and what was the time? Yeah. So so it's the Welsh Three Peaks, which is the three highest peaks in Wales. Um, you do it. You, obviously, you could, normally you'd walk it uh, and drive between them. But instead of driving between, I cycled between them. So it's about 140 miles of cycling. Then you've got Snowdon. I did Snowdon first. Then uh, Cadaridris in the middle. 
I've said that correctly, and Penny Fan at the end. So, yeah, it's it's run up a mountain, run down, cycle to the next one, run up and down, cycle to the next one, run up and down. Do you know what? When you say it like that, it sounds so easy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it was brilliant because it was so, it was just so different from any of the things I'd done before, and I love. I love the adventure aspect of climbing a mountain. I think that's really cool and just kind of goes to my inner child a little bit. Um, and then, yeah, jump on a bike and cycle to the next one. And Wales is amazing. It's an amazing place to cycle. And I've, I've had some of my best memories in Wales and, and Scotland as well, to be fair. Um, so, yeah, I loved it for lots of different reasons. And getting to, getting to the top of Penny Fan, knowing that I'd got the record was like, sort of paid it yeah. felt like I'd I'd all of the hard work of the, those years before I'd sort of paid off a little bit and you know celebrating for for, for make a wish who is the, the charity that I was raising the money for at the time was amazing and then kind of got down the mountain and yeah just have a the the sort of nice kind words from some yeah famous people like Mark Beaumont and uh it was nice you know it's a nice sort of icing on the cake really oh brilliant do you have any Welsh relatives? Any no. Welsh roots? No, none at all. Because no. this family, like my my wife, she's um, half Welsh. Oh, actually, wow, okay. our, our children are quarter Welsh. So, oh, um, there you go. If they would have been around already, then they most probably would have like cheered for Bjorn. But yeah. Well, okay. Anyways, the, the poor awesome. kids, they're, they're learning. They obviously they they speak English and German, and they're also being taught Welsh at the same time. Oh wow! By, by yeah. their grandmother. So uh, yeah, lots of fun in terms of uh, language. Um, That's amazing. It is. Um, so, so that was your, your favourite one. Yeah. Uh, that was great. Now, yeah. I have got to address one of your fantastic uh, <laughs> fantastic challenges because um, this is one of the ones, as, as Neil said, we've been following you for some time. And when I heard you were doing this, right, this one event, this is probably more for anybody local to the Chilterns, yeah. right? I think, you were, you, I think your response to that, when I told you about it, you were, we were like, for fuck's sake. <laughs> <laughs> I think... I think my phrase was <laughs> mental. But the thing is, it's a... So uh, you chose to Everest and you chose to uh, Everest up um, a hill called Whiteleaf yeah. in yeah. Um, in the Chilterns. Now, for everybody uh, locally who knows that, I can imagine there was a sort of sharp intake of breath as they heard you tried to... You were <laughs> going to Everest up that. Uh, and also, um, Whiteleaf features, I think, is in the top 20 climbs in the UK. Or, or It does, yeah. It's the 100, yeah. The uh, 100 greatest climbs. Yeah. That's right, yeah. And it's in around number 20, I think, for some for, in my head. So so yeah. it, it's, a, it's a pretty... Uh, good climb. Now, yeah. uh, for those of us that know it, 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 it kind of. What's, can you remember what the average gradient is for it? I think it's about nine percent. But, but, but you start like on a, on a fifty percent wall or something. <laughs> yeah, there is there is one particular corner that you have to yeah. do every time, which um I. Th- I don't know what that goes up to. Is that thirty odd percent? I think it's, it's it's nasty. It's that yeah that right hander isn't uh yeah right hander isn't it? And it's yeah it it brought fear into my heart. 75 times. Exactly. Well, th- th- now, so, <laughs> like, see, all the local cyclists, we, we all know, everyone who knows this climb knows that, you know, you start off, you try and pace yourself, you get to that corner, you just do whatever you can around that corner, and then you just hang on to your lungs and your heart as best yeah. you can oh, yeah. until there's, it flattens out for a very short section where you basically, uh, if, you're, if, you, if, if you're feeling strong, you put a couple of extra pedal strokes in to catch your mate in front yeah. or put some distance in, or... 
uh, if you're more like me, you just like, you know, recover just about enough to then fi- finish finish off the climb and pretend. Or like me, oh, yeah. here I can get off the saddle <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and push. Exactly. So look, it, it's a it's a cracking climb. So yeah, it is. Why, why did you select such a, I mean, knowing you a little bit yeah. now, we know why you selected the toughest climb you could find, but um, yeah. how did it, how did you choose where you went? Why, um, why that one? Well, it, it, Everesting had always sort of been in my head of, of a challenge that I wanted to do. Um, and a friend of mine, Ewan, was a serial Everester, and he he talked very highly about it and how, how much of a mental challenge it was. And I think for me, you know, becoming mentally stronger has always sort of been a feature of what I've tried to do. So um, I knew I wanted to do Everesting. And so a few weeks before that, I did a virtual Everesting on Zwift just to – make sure I could do it um, because I didn't want to go out and say I was going to do Whiteleaf and then crack after 10, 10 reps or something. So yeah, we did the the virtual on Zwift and uh, I think that was about 16 hours. So I wasn't quick or anything. 16 um, hours on Zwift. Yeah. So, oh my goodness gracious. So I, I sort of thought, yep, yeah, right, okay, I've, I've done that. And it wasn't horrific. I mean, it was not pleasant uh, at all, but I thought, right, I'm going to commit to, and then, yeah, so I I tested a few hills locally that I thought I might do. And in my head, I was thinking, well, I'm going to go for the shallowest one uh, because that's easier on my legs. But then the shallower the hill, the more reps you have to do to get the, the eight yeah. and a half thousand metres, isn't it, metres? Yeah. Um, and then that, when I put it in the Everesting calculator, it was going to take me like 32 hours of and course, because yeah, yeah. no, I can't do that. Yeah, yeah. So um, I sort of, uh, I sort of had to do of white leaf in a way just to stay within sort of twenty four hours. Um, and we had a false start as well, which is really irritating. So I, I had a, a carbon road bike that I was my first carbon road bike, and I'd spent you know two and a half thousand pounds on it, and it wasn't flashy, but it was just I loved it. Custom paint job as well. And I'd, I'd started my white, um, Everesting Whiteleaf attempt and I think I was on about 18 or 19 laps and I'd just got to that corner, stood up to put my foot down and the the, the uh, gear hanger at the back snapped clean through and uh, basically wrote the bike off um, for, for, for a couple of reasons. And um, so I had to coast back down the hill couldn't couldn't make it yeah. work, so that was binned that oh. one off, and then uh, got a new bike, and and off I went to do it again. So I had on the to, same day. No, 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 God, no, no. not the same on day. The, God, on the same no. day. No, <laughs> no, no I, I gave it a week. I gave it a week. Um, I went back the next week, and um, yeah, as I say, it was a seventy. I think it's seventy-five laps up and down, and I was doing it in reps of five. So it's about ten minutes at uh, steady pace the climb up and back and up and back. And I did five and then jumped off for 10 minutes, had a break and then um, got back and did it again. And it's just, it is just that breaking it up does make it easier. Just all you've got to focus on is five reps and I can do five reps and I know I can do five reps. Just keep doing that. Yeah. Eating lots. See, it is it, such a, it's a, such a tricky climb. And so um, it, of course, this is a little bit for the, for the local people who know the climb, but of course, you know, that, that is, that is so tough, but yeah. something I was really interested in. I don't often. I think when we go out cycling, the first little bit until you get to that point where it it really hurts. Yeah, and because because let's face it, our cyclists are a bit weird, right? 
we actually quite like the bit where it hurts, you know. Mm. And there's there's often we all have our. I always think there's that little bit in our head that what do we do to focus to keep the pedals going round? So I was just really curious for you when mm. you're in that place because of course for you it's yeah. probably takes a lot longer than it takes me and Neil to get to that <laughs> place. But when you get to that place and you're just you know there's part of your brain, I'm sure there's part of your brain that does yeah. say look. Can can I do this kind of thing? Where, where do you go? What's your thing? I mean, do you do you do you focus differently? Do you eat something? Do you have a habit that you try to do to keep you going? I think you have lots of different things because that I suppose it's like the runner's wall, isn't it? When you you're on a marathon, and you always get to that point of oh my god. Um, so I, yeah, I've got lots of different things I do. Um, I think the biggest thing for me and, you know, part of the whole story around changing my life is just the reason why and a purpose. And I think now I've got to where I am, I think the biggest thing I was missing before was purpose. And there's a, there's a really great line, a guy called um, Alex Stanford has written a, bu- a book, um, Another Peak, about his own challenges with um, an eating disorder and, and uh, his mental health. And in it, he says, we need purpose, not pills. And I, I had antidepressants when I was younger and, you know, they help. And But I was adamant that this time around I wasn't going to do that. I wasn't going to have the antidepressants. So I think the purpose is the biggest thing that's always pushed me along where I, where I want to go. And having a reason for doing the challenges and, and the charity behind it. And, you know, you, you sort of feel like you owe something to the people that donated and, and, and the charity themselves as well. Um so that's a huge stick for me to to beat myself with in terms of come on, don't let people down. Um, but yeah, it is, can be as simple as just having something nice in your bike bag or your jersey to to pick you up. And I've um, I've recently got into having those. Is it the caramel biscuit? You know, the gold and red stripy old school biscuits. Yeah, yeah, yes. Is it Tunnocks or something. <clears throat> they are. Yeah, the the, the caramel biscuits. Yeah. They are my the, daughter's like a, favorite. Yeah, yes. yeah. yeah. Uh, I've discovered oh, they've got 20 grams of carbohydrate in, really? which, which on the bike's a good thing, right? Yeah. But actually, they taste really nice, and it feels like a real treat to have it. So, that that, that it's that or Haribo for me. You know the little freebie yeah. bags of Haribo you get in Wiggle Parcel. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. St- store them, and then they come out whenever I'm doing something long. So I just think it's just something that lifts you up a little bit, isn't it? I think. Um, to be fair, I think for me the. Little packs from from Wiggle, they're not big enough. No, <laughs> no, true, true. I tried Percy Pigs the other day, but they're oh. just too damn hard to chew oh, when you're are. when you're trying to breathe as well. Yeah, yeah. Oh, they, uh, used, they used to have rosy noses. I don't know if you remember them. They were amazing, perfect size to chew. Like they were really good, came in a big size, but they don't do them anymore. Uh, do you know what? This is this, we're missing this out. Next podcast we do, I think we should do a taste test. I think we should have yeah. every cycling snack we can think of piled up and just. Uh, <laughs> Well, I mean, we're not going to do any cycling while we do it. We're just going to no. eat them. Oh, maybe we could get on Zwift and see see which one is the easiest to undo whilst riding. Well, that's the biggest problem with with sports products as well. Is you've got big thick gloves on and wet hands. Yeah. Why not pre-cut the packet? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the amount of times on when I was doing the lounge enter John O'Groats was thinking. Why can't I just get into this bar? <laughs> yeah. Of everything else that's going on, I just want to eat. Just put like mushed potatoes in your, in your <laughs> rear pocket. That's it. Or you, or you find yourself just actually chewing through. Talking of mashed potatoes, I did know somebody once who used to have a roast, cold mini roast potatoes. Yeah, I've heard of this. I've done yeah. that when I did my first Hawaiian. Man, I had did like you? Um, 
uh, just normal potatoes salted yeah. in, in a little pouch. In a, yeah. It was amazing. It was actually really nice. It just made a mess. Like, it was really <laughs> disgusting. <laughs> oh, yeah, this mate of mine swears by it. He says it's absolutely well, the perfect thing. But there you go. It's really nice. So, so anyhow. anyway, anyhow, so uh, yes, enough of the snacks. Um, so look, with, with all these things you're doing, I'm really interested, obviously, is we often, you know, for other people, perhaps thinking, okay, you know, this could be a, a journey that I can go on. Probably not quite to where you've gone to, but... Oh, it's anything's possible. Absolutely, anything's possible. But it was really interesting. Has having this purpose now with the sport and everything, what's been the knock-on effect on the kind of like life around sport and outside of it? You know, is it, you know... Did, has it given you more purpose, more focus? Is it has it helped in some ways? Um, I do think it has. Yeah, I think it's focused the mind on on. I think from my relation, my personal relationship side of things, it's given me clarity on what I want from a relationship. So again, I'm not in any way gonna sort of criticize my my marriage and my life before. Um, but I I really know now truly in my heart what I'm prepared to um, accept in terms of behaviors from someone else and that's that's the really great thing about the relationship I'm in now with with my partner um you know we got together because of our history and and being able to find someone that I could open my heart and my life and all of those dark corners that I'd never spoken to anyone about before was so liberating uh, and just amazing and and that's you know the bond that we've got i think um so yeah it absolutely focuses the mind on on relationships and and just my wider life you know i've met some incredible people done some amazing things that i you know doors have opened that could have never opened had i not gone through what i've been through so i think you know i'm just so grateful uh but i think people think i've got this charmed life where you know, just things fall into my lap, and yeah, maybe they have. But I guess you know you have to you have to work at it, and may, maybe it's a bit of personality, and maybe I'm I'm a bit ballsy, and I you know I just ask people for stuff um, because I think sometimes you you got to be um, a bit upfront, and you know certainly with doing something like race across America, you know that's going to cost me personally about fifteen thousand pounds to to get out and and do the race, so. Um, the more help I can get, the better. And sometimes you just do have to be a little bit, help me, please. Yeah. Um, what can you do for me? But and, yeah. I, and I guess all of that comes from that purpose. You know what your purpose yeah. is, and therefore you've got the confidence to go out and ask yeah, it. Absolutely. That's great. That's yes. great. It's super interesting because um, I think we spoke about... Oh, microphone. <laughs> <laughs> um, because we've spoken about that in, in many episodes before, because it's so easy to always say like, oh yeah, you are lucky. Stuff as this happens to you. Yeah. No, we, we strongly believe that you know, you have to work hard to put yourself in a position that the moment when luck strikes, you are ready, right? Yeah. Like, if you would be, whatever, like in this other situation, like you were like years and years ago, and somebody would offer you, hey, uh, do you want to ride, ra race across America? I, I'm pretty sure you would have said no, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right? So I yeah. think it's really hard work to get there first. Yeah. And then when there's like luck that strikes, to be able to, to take it on. So Absolutely. I and I think one of the things that, you know, people ask me is, well, you'd, you'd have done this anyway, wouldn't you? Yeah. And I, I genuinely think if I'd still been married and I don't, I would have never have taken up cycling. I would just yeah. never have done it because I didn't have that impetus and I didn't have that drive to want to do something. Yeah. Um, so, you know, every, I do believe everything happens for a reason. I'm not a religious man, but I think, 
I think do things do click and happen and you you make your own sense. luck in this world, don't you? I suppose. Absolutely. So yeah, that's basically yeah. that's basically that's it, it, right? I, I just wondered, like your partner now, yes. is, um, th does she also do sports? Of uh, um, yeah, we we so <laughs> we met. Um, so we work at the same company at the moment, and um, we met because I'd seen this thing called um, oh, it's Tower Forty Two in London, and Shelter do a run up it. Yeah, and yeah, I've seen this. Yeah. 40, is it forty two flights of stairs up this uh, wow. the old Nat West building yes. in London? And I saw this, for, and it was for shelter. We we work in social housing, um, and so shelters, you know, that's kind of yeah. what they do. So I said, well, wouldn't it be great if we got a a team of people from from the housing association, housing association we work for, and got them to run up these steps? So I got I enrolled one person, and I got two, and we needed it was three of us, and we needed one more, and it ended up I was emailing the whole company saying, right, we need someone. <laughs> <laughs> who's going to volunteer and this this girl volunteered and said yeah I'll do it and um uh, and yeah we just got chatting and you know made really great friends with the, the the four of us and we continued this run club and and yeah we just we were just great friends for a long time really and neither of us wanted to take it further or do anything with it it was just nice yeah. to have someone that you could just have a coffee with and a chat with and um and and there'd be nothing else to it um But yeah, after after a while, obviously, it, you know, blossomed yeah. into a relationship. But yeah, she's a runner. But she broke her foot um, falling down the stairs. Oh, and, no. uh, but but not not running up the no not running up the tower. <laughs> no no, just at home. Uh, so oh, she's sorry. really suffered with that. But she's um, but yeah, she's she's uh, an aspiring, definitely an aspiring sports person. She wants to do a marathon. So. Yeah, really kind of pushing her on to hopefully do that this year or or maybe nice. next. So oh, excellent, excellent. Well, look. Good luck. You know, this is the thing. This is what we're missing, I think, in the podcast. We should have it here, really. Yeah. Um, so uh, we have to work at home together all the time. So then, no, I was going to say is this, this is your this is your escape. Yeah, no, we have to have it. a call in feature, maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. She, she, well, she got I me. Mean, she, yeah. I, I think, Sorry, we keep saying she. What's her name? Uh, it's Louise. Louise, Louise. Well, Louise. Um, I, I'm sure. I'm hope. Well, I do hope you listen to this podcast yeah. at some time. Uh, next time, maybe we'll have you on uh, yeah. rather than Guy. <laughs> well, I think you know. I. It's probably worth saying that all of the things I do and the time away from. From from my family and my my life, I couldn't do any of it without her. Yeah. You know, I think, you know, anyone who's a sports person or, or has does these kind of things will probably attest to. You have to have a understanding and supportive yeah. partner, don't you? And um, so yeah, I'm just really grateful for her. Yeah, her support. So good, so. absolutely. Um, so now, uh, just coming on to like thinking about the future yes. because we mentioned race across America a couple of times. Um, now. I mean, you've taken on some big challenges. <laughs> I mean, I think well, Race Across America, I mean, look, just probably just first mm. of all touching on how you, what you had to go through to qualify for mm. it. Because that, that yeah. I, I'll be honest, that I think almost is, is tougher, I think, um, in some ways. But yes, yeah. it's, 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 so Race Across America is, is, is known as the world's toughest bike race. And it isn't called that for no reason. So you have to, if you want to do it as a soloist, you have to qualify, you have to be, good enough um and so the qualification is in the uk uh revolve 24 at brands hatch or well that's i think the only uk one actually at the moment there's a couple in ireland that you can do chilton 100 maybe sorry chilton's 100 uh, no sadly not yet um, maybe in the future um so yeah i'd i'd we sort of touched yeah. on revolve 24 
unfortunately because of covid that couldn't happen so so they made it virtual on on a cycling app called full gas which is a Oh, yeah. uh, yep. equivalent to Zwift, but it's it's more real-life videos rather yeah, than games. Um, um, yeah, we had to ride around six iconic racetracks, so Silverstone, Browns Hatch, Monaco, Nuremberg Ring, uh, and the Bend in Australia. I think that's six. Um, <laughs> and we had to do that, and we had to clock up 600 kilometres in 24 hours. Um, wow. don't ask me how many miles that is because I've forgotten lots, uh, lots 400 many, something isn't it many. yeah <laughs> um, and I was I was um, about 15k short oh distance and I was so so gutted um, and that was I think in the August of 2019 no 2020 yeah 2020 and then in January 2021 the virtual world time trial championships, which are normally held in Borrego Springs in California came around and that was another opportunity to qualify. Uh, and I qualified by a humongous five kilometers. Uh, I did 600, <laughs> 605.6 wow. kilometers in 24 hours, which you know is that, that, insane. Let's face it, right. It, they're obviously want to check that people aren't, they're not going to be sweeping up sort of like, bones like, <laughs> yeah. or finding people like months <laughs> later somewhere strewn across America. So yeah. they obviously want to make sure that you can do it, but you, can, you know, if you can do 585, you can probably do 600. Let's say it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's that one. Yeah, yeah. Now, so quick question on that, actually. Right. So you're on your bike. Yes. In the house. Yes. Which I think, as I was saying earlier, I think it's tougher because you've got the opportunity to just oh, get absolutely. off and just, yeah, just yeah, like yeah. sod this, right? For a game yeah. of soldiers, I'll do something different, right? Yes. So you've got, all of that going on, and then you get to five eight five, not six hundred. Yeah. How how do you, or how quickly? How do yeah. you turn that round from the inevitable, what the fuck? To yeah. uh, actually, I've learned something. I can yeah. take it forward. How do you do that? Um. Uh, blogging's been a big thing for me. So, um, my brain is quite chaotic, and I need either to talk about it or to write it down to try and kind of condense all these mess of thoughts going around in my head into something that's coherent. So like you just said, I think knowing that I could do 585 or whatever it was that I'd, I'd got so close to, it did make me think, well, do you know what? I know what I've done. I can definitely do that again. I've just got to go a little bit faster or yeah. stop a little bit less. Um, because I rode Revolve 24 thinking, right, I'm going to do... Uh, four hours, get off for 20 minutes, do another four hours, get off. And then I quickly realised as I was doing that, that I was wasting an awful lot of time uh, by getting off the bike and actually going to the toilet is is a big time waster. So became more efficient at yeah. doing that. Uh, yeah, yeah. And um, two litre Coke bottles become uh, a very <laughs> handy tool in your armoury for any indoor cycling challenges. Um I cut a hole out of the yeah, side yeah. Uh, otherwise it gets messy uh, <laughs> the, the hole out on the side but then it runs uh, at the top or cut the top off completely but yeah um, uh, so so yeah I it, it was just uh, it was just that goal thing of well, well I know I can kind of nearly do it so I must be able to do yeah. it so right let's just get back onto the training and you know I've got a coach and, and Pav's really great at uh, helping me process and, and push and then say, right, you've had enough rest now. Let's go again. And we get back on and we build up and push. And 
yeah, we just keep kind oh, of, of having course. those little milestones along the way, you know. So excellent. So, so good to hear. Awesome. So so look, so that was the the qualification. Mm. Um, now, what, how's your preparation going at the moment then? Because this is it's coming up in June, isn't it? That's this right, year, yeah, 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 June this year. Yes. This year, I mean, how's the preparation whoa, going? Whoa, for it? one second. How long is it actually? Like, is it three thousand? Yeah. So so right? yeah, race across America is is three thousand miles. You start in. Um, uh, Oceanside, California, on the pier, and you ride all the way across to the east coast. Yeah, east, isn't it? Yeah, uh, left to right. Yeah, yeah, left to right. <laughs> uh, and you finish in um, uh, Annapolis, Maryland, which people keep telling me I say wrong, so I apologise if anyone's American or knows people in in. Maryland. Maryland, I'm sorry. Uh, but don't, yes. don't apologize to Americans about the pronunciation, <laughs> by the way. They call Buckinghamshire. Buckinghamshire. Yeah, sorry. true. Yeah. true. <laughs> so, yeah, you do these 3,000 miles, and, and that that alone, distance-wise, is is tough. But the reason Race Across America is, is known as the toughest bike race is because you have to do it in 12 days to be an official finisher. Uh, so it's not just the distance, it's the time, but also it's the elevation, you have every kind of weather condition as well. So, you know, you go across the Rockies, you've got Wolf Creek Pass, which is 10,000 feet on its own of climbing. Um, so, you know, and then right at the end of the thing, you've got the Appalachians, which is like sawtooth climbing. So and you've also got, I mean, you've got pretty hot weather. Yeah. You've yeah. got uh, sort of like, so hot enough to be worrying about where am I going to get my water almost. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you've got um, woodland uh, where you're going to be having bears and tigers attack. Not tigers, tigers. obviously. <laughs> Monkeys. Which country <laughs> <are> we in? <laughs> yeah, you know oh, what I mean. Don't worry me even more. <laughs> so you could have you know, bears and wolves. Let's go for that one. Uh, no, you're you're going to have, you know, different challenges there. Yeah, and, then, yeah. and then you move on and then you've got, you know, cold weather and things. So, um, yeah, wow. That you know that planning all those different eventualities yeah. and what do you carry and keeping it lightweight and stuff. So, well, thankfully, uh, that's the beauty of Race Across America. So it's a straight race. Um, so Trans Am is is self supported. Yep. Same. It goes across America, but but Race Across America is you have to have a crew. So uh, you have to have someone following you at all times, apart from the the play the few places where you can't and they're short stretches. So. Um, so yeah, we'll be shall, taking. A shall, crew shall we do that? Shall, shall we do it like be an additional crew? Yeah. <laughs> so, so get like a camper van. So for, for watchers and for li- watchers and for listeners, right? When Guy arrived, it took us a good thirty minutes just to work out how to use our own equipment. Right? <laughs> the chances of guys, like, if there's something that would make Guy ride faster, it's the idea that we were his support crew. He'd be like, if I don't finish quick, right? They are not going to make me do this. <laughs> But uh, so, who is your support group? Okay, let's, let's, let's skip the idea. <laughs> so then. yeah, so um, I've got a an, uh, a small team. Um, as I sort of said, I'm self funding this, so uh, cost cost minimization is a, is a key part of my strategy. Without doing it on a shoestring and making it really crap. Um, but yeah, Pav, my coach is is uh, and Chris Drush, they're my crew chiefs. Uh, between the two of them because we, we, they'll work in shifts essentially so uh, and then I've got um, Matt Seward who's a fellow ultra distance cyclist and and frankly a better cyclist than I am uh, so uh, I'm really grateful for him and his support and a few other guys and, and girls that we'll, we'll bring along so um, it's going to be a ragtag crew of um, super ambitious um, super f- fun and happy people um, Brilliant. and then give it 24 hours and it'll be 
super fun still. It uh, will be. It will be with tears and well, look, hot weather. Do you know what the, the thing is? I mean, that I tell you what the, the the thing is, if you don't go along and support someone unless you you are there for them and to see them do it. So you've got you've yeah. obviously got a group there that are there. They know you can do it, which yeah, is hopefully. great. It's um, absolutely. It's you know. I'm just riding the bike. Those guys are going to have an equally tough job uh, keeping, A, themselves alive and, and me and, and feeding everyone. And you like you said, make sure we've got water, but, but ice as well. And yeah, just all the things that come with it. Driving an RV for 3,000 miles is not an, uh, a, a thankless. It's no. A, it is a thankless task, frankly. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's it's tough. Oh, it's, it's very, very exciting. And... um. Talking to uh, the charities uh, yes. that was doing there. I mean, have you, what charity are you? Uh, uh, so you I'm supporting business? two local charities: uh, the Pace Centre, who are based in um, Aylesbury. They are a charity that supports children with uh, motor disorders like cerebral palsy. So they've got a school uh, and a therapy centre, and they help about 400 children a year. Um, and it costs them about two million pounds a year just to stay open. Um, and and they they get around a million pounds of support from from funding. The rest is from fundraisers like me. Wow! So it's so so important that that you know people like me get out there and do stuff for them. Um, and they've got they've got an amazing bunch of supporters. Chris Hall, who is a much better and more famous cyclist than I am, and and, and uh, equally a, uh, an amazing guy. Um, he's a big supporter of, of the Pace Centre. He also um, runs a good podcast. He does, Zero apparently. Yeah, it, yeah, I mean, I don't yeah. know whether it's better than yours or not. It's, I mean, it's, well, it's not a competition, but no, it's not, not a competition. <laughs> but it probably doesn't take him half an hour to work out how to use his own equipment when he turns up. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, if he ever invites me on, I'll let you yeah, well, I'll do a comparison. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, um, but yeah, no, the Pace Centre are, are just fantastic. They're just so passionate about mm. the children they support and, and, um, and helping them live a full life that you know they do so much to help these children communicate and and, and live as as best a life as they can they're here um, in Aylesbury right that's right yeah, yeah they are yeah uh, and the other charity I'm supporting is um, Action for Youth and they're another Aylesbury based charity uh, and they support children and young people um, again you know to help them live their best life really um, they do loads of stuff they've got an outdoor centre in Milton Keynes where they teach you know, kind of outdoor and life skills through, through timber, team building and rock climbing and loads of cool stuff that you want to do when you're a teenager. <laughs> but they, they work with youth clubs and, and offer life skills and, and, you know, just generally help children from less um, advantaged backgrounds kind of have the step up they need to kind of get on in life, which is oh. two amazing things. And, you know, kids are the future, right? So yeah. why not? Why not? Brilliant. Them? So good. So and so, uh, look, they, they are really good charities. And so, if people want to support the charities, where yes. can they go to and support your efforts and donate? Where can they go? Absolutely. Uh, the easiest thing to do is find out more on my website. And it's really easy. It's just my name, guystapleford.com. Um, I have a, Go, a GoFundMe page, which is linked on the website there. So, people can find out about Race Across America, my journey. Uh, the charities and the reasons why I'm supporting them and, and, and donate as well if they want to. And obviously if there's any businesses out there that do want to support me and, and come along on the journey, you know, there's, there's lots of ways they can do that. And, um, you know, we, we'd stick your name on the Jersey and on the RVs and stuff and, you know, promote you as part of it. So, um, so yeah, by all means, um, come and have a chat. Brilliant. I'll buy a coffee. 
So Excellent. Good. But there are also there are comp a couple of companies that support you already, right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, no, I'm yeah, I'm like them. Yeah, absolutely. No, <laughs> again, I'm really grateful for um people like Veliskin who are uh chamois cream and, and um sports products, but um they let me ride in comfort, which is an amazing thing, and they're great people as well. Um uh, but but I've I've made a real conscious effort with the sponsorship. I don't want to call it sponsorship because it's not really sponsorship. It's it's a mutually beneficial relationship with these companies that I work with. But they're all great British companies. They're all independents and they're all just nice people that are doing good things. And um, if I get commissioned from anything I do, it all gets donated to charity anyway. So I, I, I've made it really clear I don't make money out of this. It's not what I do it for. Um, so, yeah, Verleskin are, are, are great people. Obviously, my coach, Pav, he's he's a Brit although living in California now. So um, we don't hold that against him because he's a lovely guy. And, and, <laughs> and, and if you need an endurance coach, he's the guy to go for. He is top of his game. Uh, uh, Mark Beaumont and I share a coach, which is quite incredible, really. So, um, so yeah, that, that's, that's really cool. Kendall Mint, Kendall Mint Co., who are a sports nutrition brand. They're obviously based in Cumbria. Again, great people doing great things. So, uh, yes, um, there's, there's more I should mention, but um, I don't want to waste loads of time. But uh, there's a section on my website. So if you want to try any of these products, just give me a shout. You know, we can we can sort you out or get you a discount at least. So. Brilliant. Great. Look, guys, it's, it's fantastic. And and look, for everybody who's listening, we'll also put um, all links on to all of this will be on uh, our show notes. So if you're listening on either iTunes or Spotify, just go into the notes now and you can click and you can donate. Uh, also, do have a look at Guy's website, because although we've we've had a great time here chatting on the podcast, there is loads of more information about the stuff that he's done. Yeah. Um, and also there's some really interesting stories in the blog there as well, which is which is really fascinating. But also follow his Instagram. I, I mean, this is a I found you, or yes. how you found us. Or yeah, found yeah. You. I was saying. I don't earlier. know who found who. Well, anyways, I, I, I was saying. To, I was saying to you, Mike, earlier. I, I, um, I used to get my sports massages from from a guy, Phil Holloway, in Amersham, Amersham Sports Massage. Hi, Phil. Uh, who is <laughs> Hi, a genuinely Phil. a lovely guy, but also he, when I first went to him, uh, he said he was he massaged. Sounds weird now. <laughs> so he massaged okay. um, Anna okay. Henderson. And, oh yeah, and uh, yeah, yeah, who you know very well. Yeah, yeah. And he said to me, "Oh, she's just done this podcast with these guys. Yeah. Um, it's it's Velocino. Yeah. Go and go and listen to it. It's really good." And yeah. that's literally, I'd got out of the massage and put it on in the car, and and then uh, so listened good. ever since. So, oh, thank you so much for plugging us. And oh, uh, no. I yeah, think sure. I think. Um, we have to get Anna back like here on the show. Like we we spoke to her when she just signed the contract back then with Team Sunweb. Yeah. You no, know, she said you move Wisma. Yeah. Like, oh my goodness, we have to get her back on. Anna, if you listen to this, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you are invited. Indeed, indeed. Well, actually, we've had uh, a lot of the family on so far as well, yeah. as well, haven't we? From yeah. uh, from Anna's uh, brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so look, guy, look, it, it's been a. Thank you so much for spending some time oh, with no. us today. It's been, Pleasure. I think it's been fascinating your own journey. And I think um, it's got on so many different levels. But for some people, you know, they may be in a place at the moment where they can take inspiration and just do some advice from where you were at and to take some action in their life. Uh, but through to today where we're talking about these challenges that you've got. And I think that the one thing I have to say for me that, that is really inspiring is this idea that you've got, which is I'm an average guy. But if someone else can do that, if another human being can do that big, incredible, ambitious goal, why couldn't it be me? Absolutely. And maybe, yeah, I'm not going to do it tomorrow or maybe not the day after. But 
I could physically do that. I could take that on and do it. And I think that's something that's really inspirational for anybody, particularly in the month of beginning of the year. We're just into February now. And people are thinking about what they're going to do for 2022. It's really inspirational. So thank thank you you so much for joining us. No, thank you. Thank you. It's really kind. And I I think, you know, it's cliche, but it's true. The hardest step is the first step out the door, right? And, you know, I did that and, and it's led an amazing journey. So I think anyone can have their own journey whatever that looks like for you just take that first step and and go for it with everything you got because the best stories have not yet been written (laughs) indeed (laughs) indeed um yeah i just want to say i don't know like it sounds maybe it sounds very cheesy or whatever um but although i I, I, before today i really didn't know you like i i knew you like from your online presence and stuff and um Oh, I, I really enjoyed your Instagram and stuff. Well, I, not the pictures where you're just in your whip shorts. I, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've just been looking at this camera and I, t- I caught a glimpse of myself and I hope people don't think I've sat here naked because I do have shorts on. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We no, should... no, he's naked. Yeah, no. um, yeah, yeah. There's a uh, coat but, bottle next to it. <laughs> but, but, but what I want to say is like, again, although I didn't really know you before, I'm really proud of what you've achieved. Oh, thank you. This is, I, I and I think, a lot of people that will listen to this will understand what I mean when I when I say it is really really hard where you've come from to yeah. fl- to turn your life into something mm. positive. Yeah, it is so much easier to turn it into something even more negative. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, again, I guess Mike said thank you so much for coming to the sh- yeah, to our you. show to 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 share your story with us. It's I think one of the better stories that we done the show really absolutely well hopefully i can come back and talk to you about uh maybe not winning race across america but at least finishing it and and having an amazing time and hell uh, yeah well you have to win it (laughs) (laughs) well no brits won it yet and it it's sort of this uh it's a bit of um it's not fate at all uh but i'm going to be 40 this year and race across america is is the 40th edition this year so you know, well, mate, it, and no it, British riders won yet. So well, you, then, who well, knows? Somebody's got to be the first British well, rider. Why exactly. not you? Exactly. Why not? Fantastic. Exactly. I, I, I turned forty last year, and I promise you, it doesn't hurt. Yeah, it really. It's like, it's like Mike has turned forty like twenty years ago. It's yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. You whippersnappers. <laughs> anyway, one last question. You said the race is like you you officially finish it when you do it in twelve days. Yes. So when did you book your flight back? Uh, I haven't booked any flights back actually. I haven't booked any flights there yet. Um, so you're not very positive. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, no. They, the, so the flights are sort of the last thing I'm going to book in yeah. a way because um, I haven't decided whether I'm going to book a flight back or I'm just going to wing it and see what happens. Ah, okay, um, cool, yeah. Because I think I'm going to finish and be a mess. Yeah. So you might... am I going to want to fly straight back? Oh. Probably not. Um, but similarly, I do want to get back because being away for the kids for three weeks. And uh, I think I'll probably just wing it, to be honest with you. I think yeah. also, I mean, you can spend uh, all that time in Maryland being told how to pronounce uh, hey, Mel, the local place true. names. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. You, you could do that for your recovery. Also, yeah. you don't want to have the pressure in your head, right? Like, oh, I have to be like, oh my goodness, like I have to make the last 500 kilometers then, a day. Because I, my well, but then I suppose you get to sit on a plane for 16 hours or whatever yeah, it is. Well, so, oh, no, it's not quite that far from that side. From the East Coast, I think, is like six, seven hours or something. Oh, well, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah you've ridden half of it before you got there. Yeah. Yeah. That's true, actually. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, well, look, um, thank you so much for your time. And I think... Uh, 
And so for everybody listening, just a, a couple of things. First of all, if you've enjoyed this podcast, which I'm sure you have, uh, it really helps us if you can give us a review on either Spotify or iTunes. And if you can subscribe to the podcast, particularly if you're on YouTube, because we are still learning how we can use YouTube with our podcast. Uh, and so your subscriptions would be great. Yes, we can all wave oh, the camera. Yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> um, so thank you to everybody. Uh, look. It's uh, been a really inspiring chat today, uh, and I do hope that what you've taken from Guy, um, like all of us, will inspire you to get on your bike and get outside, because the best stories have not yet been written. Da-dum.